Off the ball. Breakfast. With Optimum Nutrition, there's more of you in you. Unlock it with the world's number one sports nutrition brand. So United Against Online Abuse is a, a campaign backed by many of the sports governing bodies. It's actually centred here in Dublin through DCU. I'm delighted to say DCU Professor Theo Lynn is with us, but also with us is Aidan Eames, a, a consultant at Clark Hill, a, a law firm here in Dublin. You're both very welcome. We might um, start with the uh, academic theoretical side of this. We, we covered the tackling online hate and football um, as I said, in, in August 2022, and that was specific to football. But it turns out that the problems of online abuse aren't limited to football. Uh, it's kind of all over the place, Theo. Can you just talk to us a little bit about your project and what, what, you're, what you're doing to try and tackle this? Yeah, so, um, thanks, Lode. Uh, so we're working with the FIA, which is the Sports Federation over Motorsports, um, but it's, a, it's to deal with any sport. So it's not just soccer. Obviously, our team, with Gary Sinclair and Colm Kearns, um, started off looking at soccer um, and um, I suppose we're seeing online abuse everywhere you know like I, I can give you like highlight examples if you take the Tokyo Olympics <laughs> once the Japanese team went one medal ahead of the Chinese team suddenly we saw this massive flow of online abuse towards Japanese um, athletes you know soccer obviously very well known basketball quite a lot of abuse so all these things are tripping over even in the context um, obviously in DCU we have we have a fine GAA academy going on, um, but even some of our alumni and students who are playing for county teams, you know, 2021 when Mayo lost, Aidan Foley and a lot of those guys got a lot of abuse, you know. Um, and in fairness to GAA, when you're looking at that, they'll tell you that like some players wouldn't turn up for work just because the amount of abuse they were getting. And so there's a across the board, we're seeing tennis players like Marina are just dropping out of the sport, um, and they're just one part of online abuse. Like so, when we talk about online abuse. Rightly, there's a big focus on hate speech. But people forget that online abuse for the people involved in sports is digital hostility. So people are getting very heated into heated arguments and they, they, they verge on the level of abuse. There is offensive language. There's a whole range of incivility that's happening. And the difficulty is it uh, has an adverse effect both on people's psychological and emotional well-being in some instances, there's physical harm resulting from this, and it, it's just growing. And so, one of the things that we're seeing in the data right now is that over 15 or 16 years of, for instance, uh, the Euros, we're seeing the same amount of abuse or of, uh, online abuse, but obviously the social media audiences are growing dramatically. Uh, and so, we're seeing a lot of different types of abuse. Uh, different people targeted, particularly after the World Cup in uh, Qatar, you know, there's a rise of Islamophobia in, in, in that kind of discourse. And so um, even in the Women's World Cup recently, you know, the, the amount of homophobic abuse was, was, was a massive peak, you know, and very different in its severity. And what's the work you're doing in terms of analysing this? Yeah, so we have two or three different strands of work. I mean, uh, there's one piece of work which you've covered already with Colin, which is we do a lot of qualitative work working with different sports organisations, different stakeholders in sports, journalists, athletes, and coaches, parents, and understanding uh, what the challenges they're facing. And then there's a separate uh, piece of work where we have a team that just looks at using new techniques like deep learning to identify the extent and the type of online abuse that's happening, particularly on social media, um, but not exclusively social media, and then trying to understand 
you know, who are the perpetrators? Why are they doing this? Who are the targets? What's the effect? And what are the types of, of, of online abuse? And it's very varied. You know, so if we look at all that research, what I can tell you, you know, outside of racism and misogyny, you know, really everything else isn't covered that much. So, right. you know, on the academic side, we need to do a lot more work. And then on the industry side, it largely just focuses on professional athletes in the same two areas, you know, racism and misogyny. But when we look at the wider picture, what you see is a very, very different picture where there's a, you know, like for instance, one thing that we've just started looking at, you know, ableist language and we're looking at, that's pretty bad, just, you know, or Islamophobia, pretty bad stuff. So all that kind of stuff is is very severe, you know, and the biggest issues, I suppose, in the context of someone like Hayden and Clark Hill is when that crosses over into threats of violence or, or actual violence, you know, and so... Even then, we see that type of um, speech coming more and more on social media. Yeah, Aidan, you might give us a sense of, of why uh, the law firms are involved in this and, and just what role they're going to be able to play in, in helping to mitigate and to understand and provide a framework for the sports organisations. Yeah, so it's a huge uh, issue, I think, across all the sectors. So uh, Clark Hill, an international law firm, seven or 800 uh, lawyers across the US and Ireland and Europe, taking an interest in this because they advise a lot of sports organisations uh, in the US and the governing bodies. So the FIA, the uh, motorsport regulatory body, and they're across 60 sports, everything from Formula One o- over to uh, go-kart racing. Uh, their president, uh, Mohammed bin Suleiman, after the 2022 uh, Mexican Grand Prix, there was a, a female official who was the subject of an onslaught of online abuse. That initiative, um, sorry, that, that development uh, led to this initiative, the uh, Anti-Online Abuse Initiative. Uh, and then in speaking with Clark Hill, we do a lot of work with uh, US college sports and had encountered it also. So what we're about in supporting um, the FIA on this is to try and come up with a common framework across the different sporting and regulatory bodies such that there's a collaborative approach on this that is centred around and based upon research from colleges like TCU. And we were so lucky here in Dublin to be able to reach out to Theo and his colleagues uh, at TCU who have a worldwide reputation and expertise on this. Uh, to try and uh, drive all of this forward. So we've published a number of documents so far around this, including guidance on what what to do as a sporting organisation or as an athlete if you are the subject of online abuse. We've done uh, briefing documents on the EU Digital Services Act, uh, which uh, makes put, puts heavy responsibility now on the very large operating platforms and fines that go with that. So to have both the technology companies, the sporting organisations um, and the sports participants themselves ready for this new wave of regulation, uh, that's our focus at the moment. Because it can feel a little bit like the problem is intractable and it would be intractable if we did nothing. But actually providing a framework and a way of talking about it and, and giving the individual athletes and then the sports organisations the heft of the research and a legal framework to go, hang on a second, this is unacceptable and you actually have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So here in Ireland, uh, we have the uh, hate speech legislation, which is travelling through the uh, Oireachtas at the moment. The consultation process started in 2019. Here we are in 2024 and it's still at the Senate stage. 
uh, there has been a lot of commentary as to whether it trespasses on free speech and uh, speech, you know, can uh, be offensive. It can be insulting, but it may not necessarily uh, be a crime uh, under any of the legislation. So we are uh, in, in Ireland, I think, at the moment struggling with this definition of what is incitement to hatred. And the way the legislation is framed at present, it looks like that's going to fall to the courts to interpret. Not an ideal situation, and particularly with all the moving parts and the development in technology. And also how the perpetrators, the people who hurl abuse from the back of the stand or online through proxy servers or fake accounts, uh, it's difficult to hold them to account. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, the the complexity is, is important there because, you know, when we, there's a very specific reason the FIA have focused on online abuse and not hate speech. I mean, I think in the context of stuff, you know, the hurdle for hate speech, you know, involves intent and harm. And I think one of the important things to realize about online abuse is that it can be any expression. So it's not just text, there's images, et cetera. I think with the internet and social media, the difficulty is the persistence of it. So, you know, the big difference between football fans uh, chanting something uh, at a stadium, and this particular kind, it persists then on an ongoing basis. And then when you look at that severity, there are types of hate speech that are covered by criminal law. There are types of hate speech that are covered by civil law. And then there's everything else which may be offensive or may be subject to subjective interpretation. And the challenge there is, you know, how do we design interventions that either mitigate and reduce the amount of that type of speech or uh, mitigate exposure to that speech? So there are two different things. But then the third thing is um, a wider issue about how do we protect people who are exposed to that particular speech? And, and that is a wider range of things. So if you look at all the industry research, and there's lots of companies like Signify and Arwen, they publish industry research on these areas. Apart from focusing on athletes, the interesting thing, I think, for us when we were engaged with the FIA is they start from a point of focusing on some of their employees. And it wasn't Lewis Hamilton that they started with. It was, it was someone else, you know. And and then it's a question of, well, OK, this is a wider problem and it's impacting people's livelihoods and, and a knock-on effect on that. You know, um, uh, the initiative uh, has recently published a, a barometer, a survey, where they reached out to 75 sporting organisations or governing bodies, as it, as it were. Some of the key takeaways from that are that 75% of the respondents um, said that their competitors regularly face uh, threats of harm against themselves and their families. And specifically, 90% expressing fears that um, the issue will prompt stars to leave the sport. Also, this toxicity um, and how pervasive it is can have the effect of excluding certain groups, particularly young girls uh, and other people at uh, different stages uh, of their lives and, and backgrounds. Um, some of the other takeaways from the um, survey were that um, 85% of them felt that the sporting bodies working collectively together in a collaborative fashion is the best way to address this. And this is why this uh, initiative can be, has the potential to be uh, so effective as long as it's based on proper research and um, good methodology uh, and this collaborative approach. The 75% is an absolutely extraordinary figure. Like it, this is obviously, it goes beyond say, um, over-the-top critique of somebody's performance or other aspects. It's 
an actual threat for three quarters of the time to a person or, or their family. How many governing bodies are we talking here and, and, and how wide ranging is it in terms of different sports around the country? So the 75 uh, groups included right. um, sporting organisations, FIFA, World Athletics, right. UCI, International Tennis, uh, World Netball. Um, and it's a global thing, obviously. A global yeah. thing, yes. So uh, it's a very real issue. I mean, the topical examples that uh, Theo uh, touched on earlier, um, Lauren James, uh, the Chelsea forward, Wayne Barnes, the uh, retired World Cup uh, referee, Inia Luko, um, uh, BBC and uh, former uh, world uh, footballer, uh, English midfielder, all uh, have highlighted this as the reasons for them considering exiting sport. So if it's happening at that level and some sports stars are considering or uh, celebrities are considering exiting, imagine the impact that has on young athletes coming into their their teenage years and participating at local level. So I suggest that here in Ireland, the GAA, uh, FAI, the other sporting bodies within Ireland are facing the same type of issue. Isn't it interesting that the sporting bodies are getting together to talk about this and it's not a government initiative? Like the, the government are, are wrestling and, and uh, struggling with what their response is going to be to the platforms. But the sports organisations are seeing on a daily basis the impact on their athletes and are now motivated to do something about it. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because government and legislation can only take this too far. A lot of this is a cultural issue. And the sporting organisations have to send a clear message. This is not acceptable. We have a zero tolerance approach. We will work together with other sporting organisations in uh, our plan to stamp it out. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that there's challenges there. I think you know, the council, the ministers in Europe have come off with a new statement on that. I think that we'll see more stuff on the policy side. I think the tension there is... What is the role of platforms in this, and what is the role for? You know, I would have very specific views on the, on the role of platforms and sensitivity controls and what they can do. I, I also think that there's other knock-on effects that we forget about. So, you know, there's one interview that comes to mind where we were talking to someone in one of the um, Premier League academies for women's soccer, and um, which to put into contracts with the coach was like, "Oh, if I'm getting this abuse, I've made it." Do you mean? So this other side of it that we tend to forget is that there's a desensitization resulting from exposing from this stuff all the time. And you know, we've talked to journalists as well. There's a point where you get so much abuse, you just block it out and you're kind of, well, you know, and getting this abuse. And some people can do that and some people can't. Yeah, but you can't do it all the time. No, you cannot I, do it all I, the I time. So we get a lot of abuse. Uh, our YouTube comments sometimes are, are pretty grim yeah. and uh, sometimes it has an impact. Sometimes it doesn't, but there are definitely times when it just gets too much. And, and it's a consistent thing. So if you imagine you're at the very top level, that's a very consistent thing. But to be really clear, you know, whether it's uh, senior cup rugby or junior cup rugby and between schools and the soccer, I think the, the, the Dublin soccer the junior finals are on today or semi-finals or something. You know, I think that the, when you're looking at this, it's, you know, we have lots of different platforms now. You know, so for instance, part of our team is now we work on TikTok and we're looking at trying to understand TikTok is very different than understanding Twitter or Instagram. You know, so the Wait until you get to Snapchat. Huh? Wait until you get to Snapchat. No, no, we're, we're already on right. Snapchat. So like, like, so, and to be honest, Snapchat, WhatsApp, any kind of encrypted, like we do darknet research. You don't want to see the stuff on the dark net. So, so, but don't worry, Owen, you're on it. <laughs> so you've made it. You're, you're on the dark net for abuse. So I, I think that what you have to remember is that 
you know, we're, we're looking at those things. But the techniques, uh, so there's two or three things that are happening right now. The techniques to identify, classify, and grab this kind of, are changing rapidly. You know, like we're, I would say, in Ireland, I think Irish universities uh, are at the forefront of using new deep learning techniques to identify these things. But, you know, equally on the other side, you know, you see, I, you know, there's just this week, there, you know, there's new um, generative AI tools coming out, which very realistic video, very realistic audio uh, tracking. And so I can create deep fake stuff on anything and I can push those out with a, a swarm of bots, whether they're human sock, uh, human sock puppets or they're, they're automated tools. There's a variety of techniques I can do to make people's health. If I'm on the darknet, I can ruin, ruin someone's life for as cheap as $150. That's how, how cheap it is to get someone to actually mess with your life on social media. And the difficulty is for the extreme side of things, you know, and there is this, and I think it's really important when we think about this, there is a, a coming together, a commingling of some of the extreme side of, of politics and, and sports, which has always been there to some extent. And now what we're seeing is that's coming across uh, more and more into the uh, online abuse area. And so just from a democratic perspective, I imagine the governments are going to be more involved, but also from, you know, we have this tension and, and Aidan correctly points out that there's a tension between freedom of speech and then your actual right, uh, your human right. Yeah. And, and that, that's a, a, an important tension for us to protect. I, I think so. But at the same time, if we don't begin to address this, it'll never get addressed. And it, it's Absolutely. great to see that this is, is starting to happen. Aidan, what's next in, in terms of an initiative like this? I know that Lewis Hamilton is throwing his weight behind it. And there is a, a conference in, in Paris in, in May where it will start talking about this. What do you think is the the direction of travel we're on at the moment? Yeah, so it's definitely a tipping point. Uh, Theo mentioned there, the, the digital regulators, the tech companies, the sporting organisations are grappling with this and it's a very fast moving uh, landscape and environment. So the initiative, the United Against Online Abuse initiative will work uh, towards presenting model governance codes for sport, sporting organisations, which they can take a view on. That's something practical. Something yeah. practical. Yeah. So that's actively underway at the moment, and it's underpinned by the research that the people in DCU are, are doing. Um, after that, engaging with the tech companies um, and coming up with codes of practice with them, uh, short of enforcement. I think your point is a very good one about what is the space between uh, legislative enforcement and those organisations uh, acting collaboratively, uh, collaboratively together. Uh, I think it's the latter, and that's the, that's the road we need to travel. Okay. I think education training. So we're, we are launching a series of education courses. I think the other thing is what always surprises people when we go through the amount of parents who and grandparents who are propagating some of this hate speech right. and some of this online abuse. So Kind of but, unaware of what they're doing. I'm pretty sure they're aware of what they're right. doing. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and the issue that we have is we need to get into the schools and start educating more about some of, some of these things around online abuse and what's online abuse and what's not. And to go to your point about Snapchat and uh, WhatsApp or whatever generation of technology you are, um, you know, we need to put in and make sure people are aware of what they're doing, you know, yeah. and what the effect is. And that's the critical thing. It's such a big topic, isn't it? Because it... it, it, it 
it starts in sport and sport can be a great example of like how collaboration can work to try and address a problem like this. Yeah, too true. Um, so we have our major event in Paris at the end of May, the 29th of May, where there will be a, a lot of discussion and a number of announcements uh, coming from that event. Um, but uh, meanwhile, we're working on the research and the guidance notes uh, and reaching out to the different sporting organisations. OK, so if there's uh, people interested in, in further reading on this, where, where's the best place for them to go at the moment? Uh, there's an FIA website, uh, United Online, uh, or United Against Online Abuse. Um, and we can share those with you. Yeah, okay, and we'll, we'll put them out on social as well. My thanks to you both for coming in. It's um, unfortunately a topic that we're going to be covering a lot into the future. Uh, Aidan Eames of Clark Hill and Professor Theo Lynn of DCU. Thanks a million, folks. Thanks, guys. Off the ball, breakfast. With Optimum Nutrition, the official performance nutrition partners of the Gaelic Players Association and Leinster Rugby.